One movie can change the course of one man's life. Alberto Hernandez was born and raised in San Francisco del Rincón, Guanajuato, Mexico. It was there that he was raised by a father who was a hat maker. His father, Hernandez's grandfather, was also a hat maker. But Alberto didn't really have a passion for it. That is until he saw the classic film, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Clint Eastwood's Man with No Name didn't say much, but his look left an indelible mark on pop culture and a young man who saw the slightly tilted hat, iconic poncho, and cigar and thought, damn, that looks cool. From there, he set off on a series of events that would turn him into one of the most renowned hat makers in the world, and a happy little accident led to the blossoming of his career. Both started in, 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 started in Burbank with my mentor over there. Mm-hmm. And over there, he was working for um, the movie entertainers, you know, like the Hollywood and making hats for movies and stuff like that. So he was making very interesting hats, like making, you know, new hats, but then make them all dirty and give them some character. So that's what all started. It really triggered my eye how those hats, you know, look like. And I was just thinking maybe they can be more wearable and different, you know, for people and see how it will, how, how will people react to it? And pretty much it happens by an accident. I was painting a hat one day. I was doing a little design and, the hat, and, and, and I put the hat on the floor to dry. And I was doing another thing, and the my, one of one of the the, the the little trays that I put the paint fell off, mm-hmm. and 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 it splattered the hat. So that's when I realized, oh wow, that looks pretty cool. So I pretty it, it all started pretty much from mistakes, and for me to try to fix him and trying to sell the hat, you know, to make the money, I I, I have to find a way how to figure out to look good, to be able to sell it with that. <laughs> you know, with that thing that, that happened. So then I start practicing more and more to get it to a point that it was more, you know, that the hat was meant to be on purpose. That, that hat was, you know, it was worn by for years. So that was a purpose. So when you make a product like that and people hasn't seen it, they go crazy. And I was the first one to start doing that product. And then I moved to Venice Beach and then I started with another guy over there and we start making hats over there. And I start just doing those distress styles with pain and everything like that. And, you know, that's where pretty much all started. Like all cool people, you know, like Justin Bieber, LeBron James and people like that. They started getting those hats. So for me, it was a really good experience and and, you know, and be like, Oh, they really do like my hats and stuff like that. So that what really kept kept me going, and you know, for now, that's how I see it. It's just beautiful, yeah. And yeah. lucky, lucky <laughs> that I got to, you know, you get to meet those people and you get to interact with those people. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, it was for me watching them TV. It was like, wow, it's gonna be. I would never gonna meet this people but you know I was wrong you know you can dream it you can believe in it and it happened and and I guess that leads me to my my other question too is where did you grow up you know where did the dream start um talk a little bit about your you know your childhood and, and where you were raised and coming to where you are now 
I was I was I was raised on Mexico. I was born I was born on Guanajuato, San Francisco del Rincón, Guanajuato, and there it, it, it all started when I saw a movie, uh, uh, The Ugly, The Bad, with The Ugly, The Bad, and the, the good, quote, the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, mm -hmm. and I saw those hats, and you know they were so like beautiful, and they have a. I haven't seen anything like that, and I asked my dad. Hey, dude, who 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 make those hats? And and he made, he he pointed, you know, over here in the United States. So that was my journey to pretty much, you know, figure it out how to get there and trying to make those hats too. And at the same time, I was a bad boy over there too. You know, I was hanging out with the wrong people and doing all those bad things. And my dad decided just to like, you know what, try it over there. And and then I came here, and that's how it went down. But you know, growing up in Mexico, it's beautiful. You know, it's it's amazing to see my people and and to be born with a lot of culture. And at the same time, you know, we're really proud to be Mexicans. You know, and and for me to carry that on, and you know, and coming from a very small town, and now doing these wow. things, you know, for me it's a dream, like the American dream. You know, and. And I'm not finished, you know. I'm still wanna make this company a global company, you know, that everyone will knows it. Not just in the United States, but in Europe and you know, overseas and things like that. So I'm not done yet. This is just the beginning, you know. Now, you know, making these hats for these, you know, celebrities and athletes, that helped me to put me on the spot to 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 go where I really want to go and, you know, and make a very in a way, Latino uh, company, you know, owned by a Mexican, you know, they came from nothing and he came here with nothing and, you know, and we work hard to to get to where we are, you know, and at the same time, you need a good team to, to back you up. And it's like a, a football team, you know, you need a great team to go to the Super Bowl or do amazing things. So for me, having a, a good team is very important. And, you know, I, I think that's a huge part of, the, of your story is, you know, an immigrant affecting American pop culture in, in such a profound way. Um, when was, like you said, it, it all started in Burbank, um, but when did the hat making start? Was it, was it in Burbank or when did you first learn how to make a hat or the intricacies of kind of forming a hat and all that? Was that, was that in Burbank or was that before then? No, yeah, that was in Burbank. That's where I learned all the handmade stuff, all the handcrafted the custom made, the, the, the service of, of a custom made hat. That's what I learned here, you know, because, you know, they were they were making them like they were used to make it back in the days. Mm -hmm. And that's the main thing, you know, you have to keep the legacy and you have to keep the way they were doing it, you know, with a purpose to do a product. Because I don't know if, you know, I don't, for me, and, and this is what my grandpa said, you know, if you, if you stop doing like what we do, it's not going to be, you know, a traditional, the tradition will lose, the culture will lose. And now you're going to go to mass produce and you don't want that. You want to keep that as a, use you as a service for the community pretty much. You need a few things to achieve the amount of success that Alberto has. You need a good team, a sophisticated talent, style and fashion sense. Oh, and the work ethic of an immigrant doesn't hurt either. And 
what does that mean to you to, to be that, that point of representation, you know, uh, being a Latino, but affecting popular culture in the way that you do? I mean, you have prominent athletes, like you said, um, artists um, rocking your hats um, and being Latino owned, an immigrant. Um, there's got to be an empowerment there. What, what, is, what is your perspective on that? I mean, I would say um, my perspective of that is cool. And listen, I'm, I'm grateful and lucky at the same time, you know, and hard work to do what I do and for those people to like my stuff, you know. And, and I'm just, I'm just uh, lucky and I, I, I say hard work pays off. If you really work very hard and if you're really focused on where you want to go and what you want to do, and me, most important, as a Latino and an immigrant, we work harder and double than the other people to get where we wanted to go. And for those people, for me, it's a great satisfaction. It's just a great, a great feeling. But most important for me is the real people buying my hats, the real people connecting to my product, not just the athlete. That's like the bigger picture. And you said you went from Burbank and then you went to Venice. When did you launch Mexica? And, um, like, you know, talk a little bit more about Mexica and, and, and your goals for the future and, and, and where you want to take this. So, yeah, so from Burbank, I moved to Venice. And at Venice, you know, I was just, you know, working at this company and I was just doing amazing things, but it became too corporate. It became too machine making and you got to pop them fast like it lost it, i lost the soul in it it was not the same at the beginning so that's when i created mexica and create mexica for the people because i still want to interact with every single client that comes in and get a service from me or from one member of my team to get the best of it and that's how i learn it and also i don't lie to lie to my clients saying I've been selling a handmade product and then I go ahead and do it by machine. That's, you, you lie to your client. And, and that's another thing that, you know, I took from my grandfather, you know, you're good for your work and what you sell is what put your work out there and brings you back. So for me, it's very important to do the best and, 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 and you know, and offer the best. So my work will speak for itself, we will come back. And that was the main reason I, I, I started Mexica. And also, you know, I got a, a really good friend of mine. That he's an athlete, and he really believed in me. And, you know, he pushed me and my wife also. My wife, she was very, very supportive too as well. And they pushed me to do it for the people that I love. And I didn't want to go that way. I didn't want to go waste my time and working so hard for I mean, it's a good money, but it was not a purpose. I didn't find it a purpose to doing too many hats at the same time for me. So I started Mexica. And, and that's perfect, you know, talking about handmade and an experience, because we've talked before about how your patrons really do get an experience. So talk about that a little bit, about how you're almost you're kind of like a barbershop. You, you, people come in and, you know, they, they pick out their hats or they talk to you about their hats, but there's other stuff that they talk about with you. Um, you know, that, that personal touch, you're not, you're not just a you yeah. know, hat maker. There's a personal touch. So explain a little bit about that. That's the most beautiful thing. You know, some people, I mean, for me, I love that because we got, we got 
all kinds of clients. We got clients that they just want to go ahead and buy half from the rack that is already made. We have some clients that they come and they want a very specific things, very specific colors or specific shapes. That's what we're specialized to do. But then on the other hand, you have these people that come with projects that are very meaning to them. Like for example, I have, I have this hat. This hat. Oh, that's gorgeous. Right? It has like holes. It's all beat up. But this person called me if, you know, he told me, hey, I have a, my, my dad's hat and he needs some work. So I said, yeah, come in. I would love to take a look at it, even if it's not my hat. Um, I like to provide my service. So he came in and then he told me the story that this hat, he was lost with his dad overseas. So they find his, um, when they find his dad, like, Five years later, they find that hat on the boat. So that the hat, um, it was with the remains of his father. Wow. So that hat, you know, fifteen another fifteen years later, his aunt sent it to him as as a growing up. So that hat is a twenty, a, the twenty twenty four year old hat. But you know, we're gonna. Re refurnish it we're gonna fix it for him we're gonna make it fit because he wants to wear the hat that he was that his dad wore when he was lost on the sea so that is a beautiful thing you know we have another client too we have i mean a lot of clients that their dog die so you know i distress the hats with you know dirt and, and things like that to make that effect to look all distressed so some people bring the ashes from their dogs to add into the hat around it. So that's another, you know, their colors. So that's, you know, powerful things that, you know, I get to, you know, touch and, and create those hats. And, and I think that's what, you know, my company keeps driving because of the energy that we give them to the hats. It, it speaks for themselves, you know, it's, 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 it's a storytelling. Wherever you go, if you have that kind of hat, you're gonna talk about Mexica, you're gonna talk about me. You're going to go and talk, hey, I, I find this dude that, you know, did this for my hat. And, and people get excited for things like that. You don't have those things anymore. And that's what we need to, to keep, you know, small businesses and, and the service to be a community. So, you know, and it keeps the economy stronger and, 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 and it keeps the economy around us, you know. And for me, more important, you know, as a Latino, carry on the Hispanic population, you know, that we can do it. I mean, you talk about that and you're, you're creating priceless, you know, family heirlooms. You know, these are, these are hats that will be passed down from generation to generation. You know what I mean? Correct. Correct. Cause you know, it's a great product. You know, we make sustainable things. We make um, hats with a purpose. We just don't, you know, come and make hats and, you know, pollute the planet if you see global warming is a thing. So we're just trying to make the most durable hats that you can choose, buy one, and you know, it will last you 20 years. You don't have to buy a second one. Well, if you're buying a second one, it's because you want to look good. That's on you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, this being Sports Illustrated, when was that point when, um, 
like a Cam Newton or like you said, LeBron James started getting into this? And what has the effect been for, for you and, and, and for the recognition of, of, of Mashika? Um, Cause you know, it, it just, I think it opens eyes to everybody, you know, like, you know, who's, who's Alberto, you know, and, and, and bringing your story to light. Um, what has that meant for people to kind of embrace your, your style? I mean, it means, it means everything for me. You know, those people wearing my hats, seeing them on TV, you know, you know, all my friends hitting me up on Sunday and, <laughs> and like, hey, dude, I saw your hat, you know. I feel great, but, you know, I feel great for my team. Like I say, it's not just a women's show. It's a team. And, you know, blessed to have my team and, you know, and, and share with them too as well, you know. And it's a blessing. I feel great. And also, you know, like you said, it gives a lot of eyes to people to come and, you know, connected with my brand and maybe another Latinos get inspired to do something like this or either in another direction, you know, on a custom or handmade product. The COVID pandemic has affected us all. For small businesses like Alberto's, it's imperative that solutions are found, especially with work that puts an emphasis on cultivating a close personal relationship with clients. Yeah. And then, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about your shop. How has it been? I know this year has been difficult. Um, you know, in our previous conversation, you said, you know, a lot of people come in and, and they sit down, you know, and then, you know, you guys just chit chat as, as you're talking about the hats and, and them, them picking out hats. How has it been during COVID? Have, have you been able to still like, how's the shop going? How's your team doing? And how's everybody going? Uh, well, I'll be honest. The, First three months, it was a little bit scary. We were mm -hmm. scared. We don't know, you know, we're a young company. We don't know what was going to be the response. We didn't know if, if people is going to buy hats. So it was very unpredictable. And same with my team. But they're, you know, again, they're very loyal, very supporter, and they really like their, to be in my team. So we have a chat, and we said, you know, we're going to take a little break. We're going to figure out what is going to happen. And after three months, you know, how the things, you know, going on here in LA, as you know, you know, like closing shops and protesting and all that kind of thing. So we literally were shot completely for four months. Wow. Like, like in July, I started, you know, doing little things like taking appointments and stuff like that. But I guess we we're, we're not full on open. We only open by appointment mm -hmm. and you go ahead online and, and book an appointment on the website and, you know, we can get you the service like that one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and right now we are only open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, only three days of the week. And we are open, you know, special, you know, special hours from 11 to 4 p.m. Because, again, people still, you know, don't, you don't see that many people outside still and things like that. But, hey, we're trying to survive and very grateful and blessed that all my customers and I call him my tribe, my Mexica tribe, um, mm -hmm. been very supportive of me and they've been buying hats and they want to keep this business alive. You know, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. When you connect to people and people like you, either, either because of you or your product, you know, they really strongly believe that, you know, they will help you. And, and again, very grateful that people is been supporting me the whole time, especially when Cam wears a hat, you know, people from Boston now, they, they've been hitting me up. Hey, I want to get a hat, you know, because, you know, it's a quarterback. They want to get a, a little purse from their quarterback. So I understand. So that's what really 
you know, again, grateful to, 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 to have my company going at these difficult times is, is, is very, is very nice. No, and just a couple more questions. One, you know, you, obviously you can order on the website and you get some amazing hats. If someone is going to do custom fitting and come in, um, what can they expect? You know, you, you come in, you get fitted. Is it just, what's, what's the process like? So the person likes right now, you know, you come in, of course, you got to wear your mask. I wear my mask and, you know, I use percussions. I like use my gloves to, you know, get the measurements of your head and, you know, we take the six feet distance because, you know, uh, when we open the shower, we have to follow those rules. And, you know, we, we, we go ahead and do it as the normal, you know, service, you know, talk about your hat or what you envision or, you know, which colors. And, you know, it will be the, the same process. It's just precautious of wearing your mask and keep your distance. And I write everything down while, while you're telling me what you want, but. Almost, pretty much almost the same. And it's even better, I say, because the shop is just all for you. You feel like you're a, a big shot, you know, like it's just for you. It's one-on-one and there's no one around and it's safe, you know. And well, I'm guessing, get, I'm guessing people get pretty personal too because they're, they're this, I want this for my hat. I want this, this, and this. And they might be telling you some stories like this means a lot to me. And, and you know, I'm sure people get a little personal too, right? Yes, definitely. You know, and right now, to be honest, people is looking for an activity to even get out of their house and and do something. You know, so coming and doing a by appointment one on one, you know, it's, it's I think it's a it's a treat for them, yeah. as well as me. Mexica is named after the indigenous people who populated the Valley of Mexico before the arrival of Spanish conquistadors. Every Mexica hat comes with a veritable hat tip to those people, a nod to the culture that infuses all of Alberto Hernandez's work. One sterling silver arrow serves to pay homage to a people who are never forgotten. The significance of the arrow that I put in, that was the... Um... That was how the Mexicas used to hunt and kill people. That was their weapon. Mm-hmm. So for me, just to put it on the hats and even on my logo, Mashika, as you see, the arrow is there. It's just the the the, the representation of a on a way of my culture and tribe, where I'm from, like Mashika, the Aztec, the Mayans. That was their weapon they used to, you know, to 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 hunt and kill their enemies. So for me, it was very important to have that Mexican touch in it. So, you know, so you will, you will never forget where you come from and whatever this company goes, it will, it was owned and is owned by a Mexican guy and it represents Mexico. (laughs) Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things, but in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got the Patriots or 49ers this week, Bucks or Raiders. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College ball, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. 
And congrats if you're one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use our promo code FUEGO to claim a halfway match on your deposit. If you put in $200, they'll spot you another $100 to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code FUEGO. That's FUEGO. F-U-E-G-O. So you can claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Will Navarro has always had a gentle curiosity, someone who soaks up every last bit of wisdom you toss his way. Back in grade school, Will's mom left to attend one of the weekend classes to learn computers. A diligent Will went right along with her, excited to learn right there with her. That is where he met a teacher who would change his life. When did you fall in love with photography? Um, when was that like aha moment? How old were you when you were like, oh, you know what? That's something I want to get into. I think not necessarily the, just the point of photography, but mainly just media. I, I think I have to blame my good friend and a teacher I met in middle school. Um, this is back in the day when laptops were really starting to come in and the internet and such. Um, I think I could say maybe mid-90s. Okay. Uh, my, mom, my mom went to a Saturday morning classroom, a uh, class over at our middle school, to learn how to uh, use a computer. And she brought me along. And the teacher, his name is uh, Marco Torres, he was teaching all, this, all the parents there. But at the time, I mean, my influence was like, what is this? I was so curious. Because at that time, I was hooked onto Saturday morning cartoons, the animation, comics, that he presented me a laptop that day that he had himself. And he's like, do you want to learn how to use it? It's like, yeah. So he gave me his laptop while he was teaching the teachers, and I fell in love with it. So from that day on, I, I shadowed him from middle school all the way to the end of high school. Um, he was a photographer. He was an educator. He's a filmmaker. And I learned all the aspects of how to become a filmmaker, a photographer, and such. Let I me mean, just the curiosity kind of build up. Um, he formed a, a, a studio at the high school, Sacramento High School, and uh, called uh, the uh, CIS, the Community Inspiration Studio. Okay. And he built, with help from Apple, uh, a studio where all the high school students would come in, be filmmakers, and learn everything from movie making music producing, um, animation, uh, uh, graphics, or it, anything you really want to involve behind the, the media world, right. he let give you an opportunity to do that. And that for me, just loving what he did with that, just drew me to the technology of becoming a hands-on person. So, I mean, I wasn't very good at with, with becoming a straight-on filmmaker, but I like being behind the scenes as far as equipment manager or managing the computers, I was so hooked onto the technology. So he was a, a very heavy bass photographer as he traveled all around the U.S. teaching, and I followed his work. Um, upon graduating from high school, um, I joined the military. I went to the Navy. Um, I followed his work throughout, and I took the upon approach to kind of pick up a camera and kind of try different things along the way, especially since I was traveling the world uh, along the way as well. Um, when, I, when I left the military in 2009, um, as any military member has a transition from the military life to civilian life, 
Um, I was still a bit struggling adjusting to that. Uh, my best friends who were um, successors on the program at the school, uh, their names were Rosa Rolacava and Elizabeth Rolacava, two sisters. They formed a media production company called Allies Media. And because I was, they were my best friends, they saw I was struggling and they knew how much I loved the media world. They gave me an opportunity to come to their company and they gave me a job just being behind the scenes again from uh, helping with their audio, uh, film editing, doing some cinematography. And at that, that time, I picked up the camera more heavily. And as I started shooting more and more behind the scenes on my own, I saw that I liked more the direction of photography than filmmaking. Okay. So at that time, I'm like, okay, maybe it's time for me to kind of jump back into school. I have my military benefits. And I started going to community college over here at LA Mission College. Took a couple classes and get myself back into the classroom setting. And at that point, I'm like, I was kind of maybe look, look for a photography school. So I found Brooks Institute down in Santa Barbara. And within about a week or so, I went down there with one of my friends. She came with me, we checked out the campus, uh, saw the, I loved the program, the curriculum. And uh, I think within that weekend, I, they, they, they helped me with the idea of, you're ready, go ahead and you know, sign up. And just like that, within the first two weeks, I jumped over and moved to Santa Barbara in 2011. And uh, went to Brooks Institute, graduated there with a BFA in photography. Uh, 2014, kind of came around pretty quick when I graduated. At that time, though, I was really heavily in, in working in, in the studio, working on, on set with behind the scenes of photographers, assisting a lot. And I just wanted to learn so much that I spent so much time in the studio. Um, I wanted to learn all the equipment that was out there, all the types of photography from product, food, uh, weddings, studio, portraits, uh, anything you think of, I just kind of was a sponge to it because I just loved it so much that um, eventually in time I started assisting as photographers in LA and I grew my knowledge as far as how to learn lighting, uh, on location shoots, kinda, you have to pay your dues, you gotta mm -hmm. get into the grind, learning how to be an assistant before you start leading. And at one point, uh, uh, one of the photo shoots I I, uh, I met a good friend of mine now, uh, Jeff Lewis. He's an associate press photographer. He was doing a photo shoot for the US Olympic team right at the time of Rio. Um, I was assisting my good friend at the time as well. He was at the shoot when I introduced myself. At that time, it was really, I had to learn how to network. Mm -hmm. So I went over there, introduced myself, kind of stayed within this little circle throughout the, the year to make sure that if he needed any help, he could call me for as an assistant or any type of work. Um, Eventually, 2016 came around, and uh, the Rams came back into town. Uh, they moved back into L.A. Um, I found out that he had picked up a job as one of the TV photographers. And I called him to say congratulations throughout the season, wish him good luck. Just being the first, being back, it's, it's a lot of workload. Just taking out his photos every week after every game day, was congratulating him. And then once that end of the first season happened, 2017 came around, every month after – Every time I text him, he's like, how you doing? Good. How was the game? May 2017, I hit him up again. And I said, uh, how's everything going? He's like, hey, uh, good thing you called. Um, I might have something for you at the Rams. Um, give me a call next week. So I'm like, hey, that's, you know, any, any opportunity is great for him. Yeah, any opportunity to jump in and help out. Uh, I call the following week and says, they might be looking for interns at the Rams. So are you interested? I'm like, 
hey, I'm, I'm an internship at the, at the NFL and the Rams. That's, you know, I love sports. I mean, let's, I'm in. I went in there for an interview, and, and he, he coached me. He guided me as far as what to expect, and, and he sat down with me, and as what any great mentor would, would do, would prepare you for the job ahead. Um, I went in, and I got it. And uh, eventually the internship actually changed from internship to an assistant photographer position. So, I mean, that's automatically a promotion of itself that 2017, that was my first year, um, my first experience with the NFL and, and everything in sports, and it went great. I mean, we, we made it to the playoffs. We lost, unfortunately. Um, second year in, 2018, uh, we had a great year. We went to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's uh, – I met a lot of drivers at the time who have been there for years and, and have yet to make it to the big game And my second year in. And, Press the Super Bowl in Atlanta and such a great experience. I mean, we came, we didn't come back with the victory, but I mean, just overall, I think I still feel like I came back with the victory because I gained the experience. I met a lot of great people out there to continue networking with. Um, something that I could definitely learn and pass on to other people as far as what to expect on a big game day like that. Um, third year came last year. Uh, everything went great. We missed the playoffs, but I mean, it, I still loved it every single day. Um, this year we're opening up SoFi Stadium, which is exciting. It's uh, looking forward to that. Um, so, I mean, photography in general has just been growing ever since you could say from that one Saturday morning, sitting in the same class with my mom, learning about computers that build up to filmmaking, photography, and everything else from there. Um, and, it only, and, it, and only from there it's grown so much that it's, it's blown my mind. After my first year with the Rams, um, I had met, um, Andrew Bernstein, he's the NBA photographer, NBA right, director, right. photographer for the Lakers, yeah. for the NBA. Um, I met him when I was still in school through one of my other mentors, Bill Robbins. He was the dean of students out there. Um, I met him through a, a Q&A that he came down to school to speak with. And he reached out at the end of my first ramp season. He's, he asked if I could join him and his staff out here in Los Angeles, Staples Center, Microsoft Theater, to help with anything content-wise for his company. And, just alone that, working with the Rams and working under a Hall of Famer now, the inductee, and uh, learning from him every single day. He's out in the bubble right now, shooting uh, for the NBA. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those opportunities where, as a kid from L.A., I uh, grew up a big Lakers fan, grew up a big sports fan overall in general. Uh, to be able to, to dive in from everything sports, everything entertainment, anything from events, red carpets, concerts, uh, community events with the Rams. Um, it's just been a blessing. And it's, uh, I, I owe that a lot to just to drive in the passion that I gained from my teachers, but more of all from my parents. Will is unrelenting. He only knows one mode and that's to go, to move, to conquer. He gets that from a father who wasn't about to let his boy sleep in on the weekends. Uh, my parents were definitely the discipline and, and loving what you do and, and uh, taking me from there. So, and I guess, you- if you don't mind going into a little bit more about your parents, your upbringing, you know, um, just a little bit more about that, I guess. Yeah. I, the struggle of my parents, both my parents are, are, uh, are Latino based. Uh, mm. my mom's from, uh, Puebla in Mexico, and my dad's from uh, Lima, Peru. Mm. So, uh, their, their, their ethic and their passion as far as just becoming immigrants and then becoming citizens, their drive to learn and, and get, and make sure we get the best out of what we got as growing up. Um, my dad would take us to work 
every weekend when we got older to construction, to any means of work that he had uh, to make us know and understand that anything you work for, you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got that work ethic through him every single morning we had to wake up and, and know that, hey, if you want, you want to earn something, go mow the lawn. If you want to make some money, go cut the grass, go, go do anything that your mom needs to do so you can you know, make sure you're working. I think I got that from him so much. And, uh, and that only added to the point that when I got out of high school, I joined the military, and that only just added more to the value of, of yeah. discipline and the work ethic. So, um, and then also with your mom, so when you went and, and, and met Marco Torres, um, was that like a community school? You said he was teaching adults. Was that like an adult community, community school? Yeah, it was a Saturday, Saturday morning class at the middle school that they offer. Oh, okay. Um, I really can't remember specifically to what degree they had it at the middle school, but it was at my middle school. And okay. uh, my mom just heard about it because my mom then finished the opportunity to finish high school. Okay. She always wanted to continue learning and finish what she started. Yeah. Uh, so she wanted to learn more about computers. And at that time, computers were coming in. And she went to a Saturday morning school. I was like, can I go? And she let me come. And gotcha. I wasn't one of those kids that I was in the back. I'd be like in front and center wanting to see what they were doing. And, yeah. And I kicked it off. That's awesome. That's And um, separate from this, are you still in contact with Marco, uh, Marco at all or anything like that? Oh, yeah, we speak every day. I mean, to this day, uh, he's one of my best friends. So, yeah, so that might be something, if you don't mind, I, I would love to just, like, I can even just email him a, a question or two. Him and um, definitely maybe Jeff Lewis, too. Like, those two mentors would be good to maybe get a quote or two from them. Um, yeah, yeah. Just about yourself. Cool. That would be cool. Yeah, Marco, Marco to me, is if, if I were to have a speech in the late future of, of any type of recipient of a war or any type of such, it'd always go back straight to Marco. Because... Mm. Uh, he was the type of teacher where he wouldn't show you the answer. He'd be like, find out the answer. Let me know how you found it. Teach me the answer and teach it on to others. Mm-hmm. So others can know about it. So it's like, he literally gave me that drive. And, 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 I, and to this day, that's why he's still one of my best friends. The, the old uh, teach a man to fish kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. He's exactly pretty much a second father to me. That's amazing. And it's, it's great to hear, you know, just, you know, because... Like I said, I think there's a lack of representation um, through a lot through, you know, media, online media for, for Hispanics. You know, I think um, we might not champion ourselves enough, um, but we definitely pick. I, I hear time and again, you know, this person helped me. I had this person was my mentor, this person, this person. So it's great to hear about, you know, other people picking them, uh, other people up um, and showing them the path. Um, I, I definitely wanted to touch on, you know photography as therapy you know you were saying you were struggling a little bit did photography help or you know was that something that that kind of eased eased a little bit or yeah i think everybody has their own way as far as how to cope with stress but with me being that photography is my work mm-hmm. i don't see it as work i mean to me every single day it's just i get up if i know i have a project to do I, i'm ecstatic about it I'm, I'm prepped and ready and i'm excited to pick up my camera and just go at it because I mean, I love what I do uh, to me. It's not working. I mean, it, it, I had a, I had a tough time earlier this year, uh, besides the whole COVID situation. Uh, when we lost Kobe, Kobe Bryant was such a big influencer in my life. Um, and like I mentioned, I, LA kid growing up in the nineties, uh, watching him grow from a rookie all into the Mamba. Um, my, my goal at that point, my goal in life was to 
to grow like he did, learn and be the best. And at one point, uh, I wished one day when I was a kid, I would get to work and work with him or, or see him in his day-to-day working as the great man he was. Um, and I came just last year. One of Will's greatest dreams was to one day meet and work with his hero, Kobe Bryant. We don't always get what we want. In Will's case, he did get that opportunity, and that meant the world to the young photographer. I had the opportunity to photo- photograph him and work with him, collaborate with him with Granite Studios, along with Jeff and uh, Andrew Merstein. And I got to shoot him one-on-one for 30 minutes on his book. And to me, that was uh, the pinnacle of my career where I achieved one of my dreams to work and collaborate with my hero. And when he passed, I took that very hard. Um, I didn't, at that point, I really didn't know how to cope with the loss, being that he was a friend, but he was more my hero. That uh, I took retirement to another level. I, I, COVID had it kicked in full blast and everything had shut down sports-wise, event-wise. Uh, Staples Center, Microsoft Theater shut down. NFL season was in the end. So, I mean, I can't easily have panics. But I took the initiative of what Mama Toby would do. It's like, gotta keep at it, gotta keep at it. Um, I opened up my own photo studio in downtown LA. I'm here right now. I opened it up in May. And at that point, getting ready to reach out to do more projects, uh, headshots, products, anything with bumping on the photography world. I just took the opportunity to keep at it more and more. Um, and that to me was my coping mechanism. Will Navarro has a beautiful way of telling a story from a single frame. Anyone can take a picture, but it takes an artist to show pain, triumph, and a lifetime in one single photograph. I think uh, I found this quote a while back and I couldn't find the source to it, but it was, anyone can take a picture, but it takes a storyteller to produce a photograph. Mm. So to me, when I heard that, I think I probably heard that to Marco, if I can remember that far back, but it was just that, the differences between what I found in filmmaking and photography was you could tell an amazing story within a 30 minute, 20 minute, one minute segment of the film. Mm-hmm. And that's great because you have the opportunity to add audio, you know, the cinematics. But for me, taking a, a, a photograph, you have to find that instant, that one moment where you freeze frame it and be able to tell the story just within that visual. Mm-hmm. And that thing to me was a challenge that I was like way up to accept. Because at that point I was starting to tell I take photographs of friends, take photographs of my family, take photographs of anything I see, especially what I saw from Marco when he was traveling around the world doing his teaching. That I saw, like, I like that aspect of photography was learning just to get that freeze frame and and if you show it to somebody, they'll be able to understand it without telling them anything. And so I think that's why I found photography more interesting to me than than the combination of film and photography. And I guess that leads me to sports photography. Um, as you're growing into it, what, what are the challenges and what are the, 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 the positives of, of sports photography? Capturing that story kind of in an instant, you know, it's gotta be frenetic and fast paced, I'm sure, not all the time, um, but what are the challenges by, with sports photography? Or what, is, what are some things that people should know about it? I think overall the, the perspective people see and believe that 
a sports photographer is just about uh, getting the touchdown pass, right? Uh, crossing the touchdown line, a, a pass, a, a run, or free streaming a running back or a quarterback throw. But it's not necessarily that. I think for me, it was more capturing the emotion, the emotion of the players, because yes, from the quarterback to the head coach to the running back to the D lineman, they all have a story of themselves. So you have we have Anthony Woodward, who's been in the league for over 17 plus years. I mean, his first Super Bowl was the year we went to capture the moment where he was just engulfed in the moment that he was there. Because when you want to see that across their faces, you want to see that across their body language. And I think that's as a photographer, we want to capture, not necessarily just as a sports photographer, but just overall photographer. And I think that's what makes the challenge that if we want to go to a game setting, capture the emotion of these players because it's, it's their life story. They're suited up in these uniforms that they're working so hard from high school to college to the drafts, to training camps, that we want to make sure that they, they see these visuals later on in their lives. We can capture that. This was me at this time that I loved. Not necessarily just them running scoring a touchdown, but embracing within their teammates a, a celebration, uh, sweating and the, the blood that they have at, at practice, just so they know that all their hard work paid off in their lives. I think that's, as a photographer, is our responsibility to capture. And, you know, just looking at some of your photo- photos, you, you do have this way of, of, like you say, telling a story within an instant, you know, the girls playing softball or, you know, uh, it, there's just this um, depth to it. Um, I, I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, how, how does one go about kind of capturing the moment like that? I think I learned that from just that last couple of years of uh, understanding my mentors, how they captures like Jeff and Andy. Um, it's becoming a shadow, but at the same time embracing the team in, within themselves, be one of them. Um, so whenever I go to an event that nobody knows me, I always make myself welcoming, make myself an approachable person. I'm a bit of a comic, I like to, be, I like to laugh a lot, make a crack a joke here and down there. So, I mean, I, I feel that if I can make a person laugh, then they can, they make me, I can make them feel more welcome that if I approach them, I'm not in an awkward way take, trying to take a picture because they understand what I'm doing. So in the settings of the softball photos with my um, high school, um, I introduced myself to the team. I introduced myself to the coach and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. Um, just have fun. I'm going to try and capture as much as I can of you. And I hope I appreciate that when you see these photos, you had a great time today because you saw that you're here with your teammates celebrating your high school softball. It's, it's a moment in your life where you definitely, we all look back and be like, I remember in high school, I have this photo to show to you. So when, whenever I show them the, the, the final result, then there's more like they trust in me. And it all comes down to that trust. The players, the coaches, the staff, they all need to know that they have a photographer that they can trust because we're, we're in, in the deep with them. We're listening to what they're doing, their, their plays, their, their, their emotions are high, and they want to know that we're not going to go out and blurb it out to anybody. It's like we're part of the team. And if we feel we're part of the team, then it's a one-click unit. And I think that's why it works with everybody. And then you mentioned, too, you know, you're still doing a little bit of work, I guess, with Andrew Bernstein and the Lakers. Um, and then I don't know if you're still – so I guess my question is right now in the age of COVID – how has photography been, you know, both in your studio, like, you know, how has business been 
Um, cause I know people are, you know, they have trepidation, you know, about, you know, going anywhere. Um, but also just with the teams too, has that affected things where you're, like you said, you like to make people feel at ease, but now you're kind of like at arm's length, you know, six feet apart. How has that been? Uh, well, accessibility has definitely changed. Uh, the season with the Antipas hasn't started yet, so uh, I haven't experienced much with the Rams. Um, so I haven't, I haven't experienced much of what's going on with the NFL coming up. We're still waiting to see what's going on with that. Um, as far as with uh, Mr. Bernstein, uh, as any events here in, in, uh, in L.A. have seized, uh, I actually was at the premier boxing last night at Microsoft Theater uh, with COVID settings in place. Um, you follow the guidelines and all the safety precautions that everyone puts in place. And I think it still works in favor because uh, I was in a position, I was not ringside, but I was a good far enough distance where I was prepped and ready with my equipment. Uh, I sanitized everything prior and, the, and after the event. I show with two masks and sanitizer and, you know, just be cautious and, and protect it for yourself and that protects everybody else. And so far it's working great because everyone puts everything in place. Gotcha. And I guess, you know, my last question would be to that young person who's like, how do I get into sports photography? You know, just listening to you, it sounds like you grind. You just, you gotta, you gotta seize your moment and keep going. But how would you explain it to get into this? Yeah, it, it, it's all about the heart, passion. To me, I, anytime I reiterate any type of message to uh, a career day at one of my friend's schools or to a photographer that DMs me on Instagram, it's like, how do I get to sports photography? It's like, that's not the question you should be asking yourself. It's like, how do I get myself in love with more than photography? Because that's going to set you the first step. It's just not necessarily about the popularity and the money. It's about you loving what you do. If you pick up the camera knowing that you're out there to create something special, then everything else comes out of ease. You have to put the work in. Fuego Podcast is edited by Dylan Wren. I'm your host, Gabe Zaldivar. If you like the show, you can help support it in a tremendous way by liking, following, and subscribing across your favorite streaming services. Give a comment or a five-star rating. With your support, you're helping give some of sports' greatest stories the spotlight they deserve. Next week, we do just that, pulling back the curtain on a rather uplifting sports story you might not know about. <laughs>